welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is the second episode in our series, After the Bomb, Sci-Fi Movies of the 1950s. Today, we'll be talking about Them, a 1954 black-and-white science fiction monster film produced by Warner Bros. and starring James Whitmore, Edmund Gwynn, Joan Weldon, and James Arness. It follows the story of police officers and scientists as they discover and fight giant, nuclear, man-eating ants in the New Mexico desert and Los Angeles. By direction of the President of the United States, stay in your homes, I repeat, stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation. Because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true. And there shall be destruction and darkness come up in creation. And the beasts shall reign over the earth. Yeah, this is a pretty entertaining one, Jeremy. What would you think? Uh, just first impressions of them from 1954. Same year as Godzilla. Yes, yeah, same year as Godzilla. Similar thematically, but, you know, mm-hmm. takes things on. This is, this is a classic kind of Americana fair, the classic right. image of the desert. Um, but Much yeah, th- more th- American, yeah. Th- this <laughs> is one I really enjoy. Um, this is actually not the first time I've seen this one. Um, I, I had the fortune, um, and, and one of the reasons why I, I think we were both adamant about including this particular film in this series is that it's so directly tied to um, the idea of nuclear war and the fallout of nuclear war and then the unexpected consequences. Um, and I actually right. had the fortune in a college history class, I, I took this this really interesting class with a, a very tall professor and a very gruff Richard Nixon <laughs> voice who um, on the first day we showed up surprised us all by telling us that the first half, it was about a two hour class, that the first half of each class would be devoted to uh, traditional lecture style style learning, but the second half would be devoted to watching movies that paired with the subject matter that we were talking about. So it's very cool, very progressive class. And when we were learning about nuclear war and the Cold War age um, in the 1950s, the movie we watched was them. Um, and, and I loved it when I saw it in the class. Um, and, and I loved it now. It, it's just such a kind of fun, wacky, wild watch, even, even today. Yeah. I also have a, a very specific and very similar memory of, of this movie, actually, Jeremy. Uh, when I was uh, in fourth grade, actually, it was a very rainy day. Um, and instead of going outside to play or watching something somewhat educational, we watched this. <laughs> and uh, so my teacher <laughs> was like, hey, let's watch them. <laughs> like, this is a great <laughs> chance. Just like, I don't know. It's, you know, he was like a really fun, uh, you know, friendly, like he's like one of the best teachers I ever had. Um, and he was, you know, just into kind of kooky stuff. And so he showed us this movie one day and, uh, it likely did something to me, to my brain uh, yeah. subconsciously for, for better or worse. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I just, it always stuck with me. Um, so when we started doing the series, I just immediately thought of this movie. It was actually the first one I thought of. Um, and so I just want to say, I doubt you're listening, but thank you, Mr. McDade. 
Yeah, but thank you, Mr. Uh, Professor McGuire. <laughs> there you go. The very tall Mr. McGuire. The very tall. Uh, Professor McGuire. Um, so, yeah. So, we both have, like, you know, specific uh, memories of this movie from earlier in our lives. And uh, it, it is one that just sticks with you. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's because it's just so well done. It's yeah. just, um, you know, it's uh, obviously kind of uh, over-the-top premise, but... Uh, you know, at the I think at the time in Hollywood, there was they were kind of reaching for different ideas, mm -hmm. uh, and sci-fi was was starting to get kind of big around this time, and um, also just you know the series obviously is called After the Bomb, and this was on everyone's mind because uh, you know it wasn't too long after, uh, you know we had talked about Hiroshima and Nagasaki last time, and uh, obviously Godzilla. And, uh, you know, so this is like America's take on the same type of subject um, involving atomic bombs, uh, atomic testing in New Mexico in, in the desert. Um, and, you know, I guess because of that, um, this is what causes these giant ants uh, to mutate uh, from the radiation. And they start to, you know, threaten civilization, attack people, eat people, mostly off camera. but <laughs> Occasionally on camera, though. Yeah, the, you know, exactly. They, they they do show more. And I, I, do I don't remember, know if we see. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, we see being, them being, being swallowed, but we we, yeah. we see them being kind of attacked and. and I think that's part of yeah why I remember this movie like being in fourth grade and like wow, like, uh -huh. <laughs> my teacher's actually showing me this. Like at the time, it felt almost risque, even though it was a movie from the nineteen fifties. Yeah. Um, and you still kind of get that. Like when I watched it uh, more recently for this, mm -hmm. um, but but how do you feel about the like how the you know actual monsters were were handled in this movie? Um, you know, I think they were handled well. I, I think, and, it, and it's this way for a lot of these movies for me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm personally a pretty big fan of this kind of 50s. Not, not that this is necessarily B sci fi, this is a Warner Brothers movie. Um, yeah. So I don't know if calling it B sci I mean, I guess it's kind it of. Feels like, it feels like a B movie. It feels like a B movie because it's so outlandish. Um, mm -hmm. But they for were me. It's taking a chance, I feel like. When yeah, exactly. And, studios, yeah. And for me, a lot of these movies, you know. I kind of love the first 15 minutes of them or first 20 minutes the most when, when they're kind of just setting up the story and we're getting Figuring this sense out of what's town. Going on. Um, for me, you know, uh, talking, you know, as we talked about Godzilla last week, I think that the monsters in them worked best. Almost the kind of the most disturbing moment for me, the most frightening moment was when one of them was when they were walking through these, uh, uh, not, not the tunnels near the end in Los Angeles, but when they were kind of exploring the the nest of the ants after they had already killed a bunch of them, um, which, you know, we're hoping that that's not really a spoiler alert that happens relatively early on <laughs> in the movie. But, you know, we're hoping that you're watching these movies along with us because mm -hmm. this is a discussion podcast. Um, right. But, you know, after they had already killed a bunch of them in this nest using cyanide and um, explosives, which is just a fun way to take out an enemy by the way um but but one of the most kind of frightening moments for me was when the monsters when the, the giant ants were dead on the ground and you just kind of saw these big like hulking shadows um and, and it almost made me wish not you know i'm not trying to critique this movie by any means i think for the time it was really groundbreaking and i think that they did a nice job overall making these monsters look scary but i think that i kind of almost wish they kept them in the shadows and gave us a little bit more of an implication of them um, before kind of showing them, but there is something to be said. I think like like the the first moment you hear them is really astounding. I, I oh, love that. that. Sound. Yeah, yeah. The, the sound is horrifying. E even the now, noises. yeah, the, the, those sounds 
they they freak me out you know whatever I, you would call that yeah i yeah. guess they're communicating with each other or... yeah like like if you if you saw that in a, in a blumhouse movie today it would still be a scary sound or <laughs> yeah. if you heard it rather right um and and that first moment when you see the ant is obviously just mm. you know yeah it's wild because it is it is a while until you actually see one yeah i, I think you don't see one until about the half hour mark and once yeah. again you know all all of this and any kind of i don't i don't even want to use the word critiques any kind of discussion we have of of the functionality and and um, the the how scary these monsters are in this movies is all with the perspective of two things. One being that you know this was sixty years ago almost you know or more. What year? Yeah, what we what, forgetting what year we're in for a second. Um, but but yeah, this is this these movies were a long time ago, and also that we know what these movies are going into them. Um, it's, it, it's one of those things where if you just see the poster for a film like this and you maybe see this kind of face of an ant with its, its yeah. claws, you, you might understand what it is, but you can't even really totally tell, um, that uh, I'm looking at the poster right now. You can't even totally tell that that monster is an ant. It almost yeah, looks like it can. could be an alien. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's why, like, I think it, it would have been really, really frightening at the time because it, it isn't as absurd as an alien. You know, you know, obviously now we understand that nuclear radiation isn't turning ants into giant <laughs> man-eating monsters, but right. you know, at the time, at the time it yeah, wasn't, it, was like it wasn't that absurd. Right. Um, um, yeah. And the fact that this, the monsters in this movie are ants, it's kind of genius <laughs> and it's sort of taken for granted now because there are so many, they call them like the big bug movies, you know, the that started around this time after this movie um, and, you know, became sort of a mainstay in Hollywood um, after the success of this movie. But at the time, taking an ant, which is uh, everyday household, I mean, everyone at some point in their life has dealt with ants. So <laughs> it's just very, it's interesting taking that, you know, something incredibly ordinary and turning in, into horror, you know, mm -hmm. which is what they did so well in this movie. Um, like you said, first with that sound that you hear, um, which is like, you know, I, I can't even describe it. It's just, yeah. uh, but the second you hear it, it's like iconic to this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I love how you hear it way before you actually see the, yeah. the, the monster or anything like that, um, because the sound does come back. And when it comes back, you know, something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Much like in Jaws with the, you know, the, the score, every time you heard that, yeah. da -na, da -na, you, you knew something was going to happen. So, um, so yeah, the, those ideas playing with each other and, um, uh, you know, they really handle the concept with a severity um, uh, because, uh, you know, involving, I guess, because it is the, the atomic bomb. And, you know, every, like you said, Jeremy, everyone at that time, uh, I'm sure they were like very unsure still of what this new power could do, um, what radiation could do. And we're still learning things about radiation and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, so it wasn't, you know, so I think it was just far fetched enough. But it was still somewhat plausible, and some, you know, in some people's minds, maybe. Um, so yeah, it's really like just taking that, like you know, common household insect and mm -hmm. making it into a monster. I thought is is kind of genius uh, for the time. Yeah, it, it does um, ground it in a certain amount of reality. The other thing for me that really worked with this movie that I, I didn't really think about. I, I think it's one of those things where the classic images of this movie are, you know, obviously the ants and the desert. Um, mm -hmm. But one one thing I really I, I really enjoyed that that kind of made it more real for me. There there was one scene I'd like to say about halfway into the movie, um, when the professor character or not the professor the scientist character rather, um, is showing video of ants and explaining their their habitats and <laughs> yeah. their and their habits. And I I love that scene because 
I mean, I mean, I don't know the science of ants. You know, like, like th- that could have yeah. all been made up. But the fact right. that it was paired with this real stock footage and what he was saying at least made sense. You know, yeah. it, it, none of it, it's because you, you get these yeah. exposition scenes in so many movies, in so many sci-fi movies specifically. And it's always kind of such an eye roll because you know that it was just some yeah. writer sitting at his or her typewriter just mm-hmm. making a bunch of stuff up. But with this one, like the science of it, at the very like least, felt believable. Research, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. And, and the fact you, that we were actually mm-hmm. seeing the clips too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you learn a lot about ants in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, as I was watching it, I was, that's actually like a note I made. I was like, wow, I'm actually learning things. Like, I, yeah. whether or not I... You know, like you said, it may have been completely made up. I didn't actually like fact check any of. But what kudos if it was they were saying. But it felt real. you know, yeah. Either way, because um, the the main scientist, the older scientist, who's like the father of the uh, the main uh, female character in the movie, um, he even gives a lecture at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if that was the same scene you're. Yeah, talking that, that's about, what I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. So he like does like a like a um, not a PowerPoint, but <laughs> um, you know, like a pre- he has like a projector out and he's like you know pointing to the screen and everything and like yeah it's just kind of like interesting that they have this moment where they're just giving you like this lecture about ants um but you kind of need it to understand Mm -hmm. what they're up against in a way like things that you that and it's interesting because it's like things that because i I find insects fascinating Mm -hmm. um and and like what goes on in the insect world that we just you know human human beings just don't think about it because we're going about our own lives you know and they're just like tiny little things crawling around but when the the tiny things become huge things and you know start to attack you like these things become very important and you Mm -hmm. have to pay attention to it and learn about them and i just you know it's kind of like um like the ignorance of of you know what you know because you don't need to know all about these things but like when you do need to know about them it's like wow you actually like start to appreciate like different you know different um you know different species different forms Mm -hmm. of life and you know so it's interesting it's like it, just watching all these like military professionals and you know policemen around like learning about ants mm-hmm. is just kind of like <laughs> it's just I don't know thought it was kind of cool um, yeah well and when, and, and when yeah, you do need to know about like, them like, right yeah, yeah. exactly when you do need to learn about them you need to learn about them fast because yeah. if you don't all of a sudden your chances of survival mm-hmm. go down really quick like, yeah, I don't know that's, that's why I like, can't like, take anything for granted you know exactly that's what it's yeah. yeah, and that's why the, the, those those exposition scenes are normally just drive drive me insane. I just, I can't normally I normally can't stand yeah. a scene like that. But in this one, it just it felt so it, like honest. It, yeah, it felt imperative to what was going on. Like yeah. it felt like we needed that scene, and we needed there's like you know there's a bunch of scenes like that where mm-hmm. the scientists are just explaining to these gruff like mm-hmm. you know military men and policemen like yeah. uh, wow well, we're just gonna go in there and kill it, and then the scientists like no wait you can't do yeah. that because you know it's a nest and there's a queen and and all these different things and and that's what makes the movie like I don't know to me just so interesting and yeah. entertaining and and it just keeps like keeps your attention the whole way through mm-hmm. um i did want to dive into the movie itself like what's going on the mm-hmm. plot wise and everything a little bit so um just to start at the beginning so as you mentioned uh jeremy we start in the new, new mexico desert and that's where we have our first scene and that first scene is is it so it gets off the film gets off to a slow i would say but intriguing start mm-hmm. so there is a child a little girl and she's walking alone in the desert and she's looking very traumatized and uh, I would say almost catatonic at one point, but she, um, she's, just, she's wandering through the desert and, uh, and then she, um, she's found by, I forget it. I think, I think it's a policeman, right? They pull up yeah. and, and find her mm-hmm. um, and they start to find the tracks. You know, they start to notice that something's 
in the area that they've never seen before um insect tracks but much larger obviously <laughs> um and then they hear those noises and that that's the sound that we were talking about um that would return later in the film once things ramp up a little bit um but how did you feel about how the viewers were brought into the film do you think it was a like a do you think the, the beginning made sense and and how they kind of gradually built up to revealing the spiders made sense yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sorry, the ants. The ants. The ants. You're thinking of, you're <laughs> thinking of another big at, bug feature. I was looking at Tarantula because I had it on my yeah. IMDb in front of me. <laughs> which, which is a film. Just, just a quick aside. There, there's a film called Tarantula that was made in a, in the same era that is another one of these big bug features that uh, I, I personally would highly recommend. Uh, great, great. Yeah, sci-fi I haven't seen film. it. I, I really want to watch it now that you've told me about yeah, it. Really, 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 really interesting. Um, but but to get back to it, yeah, I thought I thought the beginning of this film worked really well. Um. Also, you know, talking about horror tropes, kind of the the possessed or disturbed kid, you know, trope. It's like you. I. I mean, I guess you would have seen that kind of thing in movies at this time, but not not as much. I. I don't know if you could even call it a trope yet, necessarily at this point, in the fifties. So you know, that was an interesting start because any yeah. any time you you see something, you you see a child with something that's happened to him or her, it's always a little frightening. Yeah. Um, it's a unique start to a movie, just having a child wandering through a desert by themselves. Yeah. You just naturally wonder, like, what the hell happened? Yeah, why? very intriguing. <laughs> why is there a kid just walking around? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool uh, way to start the movie. And from there, um, I actually thought there was a lot of good ambiance as well, because mm-hmm. there's um, pretty soon after that, there's a scene where you just hear, like, the sounds of the, the howling wind outside, and there's, like, mm-hmm. swinging lights inside the shack that they're in. Um, and eventually it reveals a dead body on the floor. Um, they also find sugar with mm-hmm. some ants crawling over it. And that's kind of our first glimpse of, of ants in the movie. Which is and such great foreshadowing. You yeah, know, I like it's, that it's you like, see them. Know. Right. I like yeah. that you see them as actual, like, you know, normal size ants at first, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's all a bit, yeah, like we said, like, it's, it's all a bit ridiculous, but for a film about giant radioactive ants, like, I feel like it's not a bad way to bring you into it. I thought it was actually really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the first death is off screen. Um, a lot of the action's off screen, actually. We don't even see, you know, too many ants. I think I was reading, you only see up to three at a time on screen, mm-hmm. um, for budgetary reasons, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, atomic bomb testing, um, uh, just to go into that for a bit, that was done in, uh, well, I guess it started around 1945, um, and that's, you know, so we, we talked about Godzilla, um, and I think just, like, you know, starting in New Mexico desert um, just makes a lot of sense for this. It's just, like, why, where else would you start, you know? Um, and I, I liked how the uh, rest of civiliz- civilization was kind of gradually brought into it from mm-hmm. there. Um, and then you have this new team investigating, um, and then we start to hear that sound again, and... and um, we eventually see that first giant ant emerge, um, which you mentioned, Jeremy, was like a very like kind of like iconic scene where that the first ant is actually on screen. You actually see it. Um, and first, the, the main characters try their pistols. And uh, I like that they pl- <laughs> eventually they blow it away with like a machine gun. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like so violent for the time. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I don't know. That, and then that's kind of a classic, you know, I mean, and the thing with a lot of these movies is there are things in them that are going to be a little silly inevitably it's just that's kind part of, of the fun yeah it's part of the fun of the genre that's why uh, they're cult movies <laughs> yeah but, um, but you know that's one of those things where it's like well if they had the machine gun this whole time you know why are they trying to take this <laughs> oh, yeah. but you know I, hey you know. i actually laughed at that part when yeah he just like it, whips out this machine gun. protocol is but, different uh, i don't know yeah <laughs> um 
So that's, yeah, the sound that we've been hearing is, it, like I said, I think it's uh, the ants communicating with each other. And I, I think the scientist does go into that a little bit. Um, so they're on a whole different wavelength than humans, which makes it even creepier. Like they're just speaking to each other and giving each other orders and, you know, listening to their queen and things like that. And we just have no idea what they're doing. Um, and there's like a, you know, that really dramatic moment where the sci the older scientist speaks of a prophecy, like the beast shall reign over the earth. <laughs> Um, I love that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. that's really good. Um, so, yeah, you can tell there was like grander, uh, you know, ideas at at play here than just giant ants, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, and the film, you know, eventually gets to the point where we, we go into the lecture on ants and we learn something about them and we they start to look for the nests. Um, there's a little bit of a, I guess, a love story because every movie at this time had to have some sort of romantic yeah, kinda. Uh, supply. Kind of, sort of, not really. Um but what was cool with this particular one, even though, you know, when the, the, the young uh, woman who's a scientist in the film um, gets off of, she, she's getting off of a helicopter. Joan uh, Weldon is certain actresses. Yeah, actress, yeah, yeah. When, when Joan Weldon is getting off the helicopter, um, you know, there is that moment where the guys kind of like gawk a little bit. But it is, it oh, was yeah. exciting for that time seeing a oh, woman yeah. scientist yeah. who was like, you know, digging her foot in when they were telling yeah. her a woman can't go down in the hole. And, right. and she was like yeah. digging her foot in and saying, no, like I know more about this stuff than you do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily point to a lot of movies from this era as being progressive. But within the cultural landscape that it was coming out in, you yeah. know, that, she, she was a pretty progressive character. Right, because at first I was like, oh, here comes the, you know. <laughs> the love issue, the ingenue. Here, well, here comes like the sex, you know, because the yeah. guy's like, oh, no dames going down that hole, you know, as long as I'm here. But mm -hmm. then eventually she's like, you know, I'm a doctor, like I have to be there. Yeah. And, you know, it's so there's still like a little bit of like the old sexism in there. But mm -hmm. but I think it's handled, a, it's almost like they were trying to progress things a yeah. little bit, you know, like trying to make people think outside the box a, t a tiny bit. So mm -hmm. that was a good thing. Um, so, yeah, so there's little bit of a love story i guess um with the main characters but mostly it's just about the ants and <laughs> them trying to track and kill the ants which is their main objective and um the film leads up to the the culmination uh, where they're in the they're kind of subterranean they're in the uh the la uh sewer system through going crawling through pipes and you know things like that and and uh, those are actually the parts I remembered most from when I first saw the film when I was a kid, just being underground and looking for the ants and being kind of horrifying. Uh, and those scenes still hold up. I think they're pretty, pretty mm -hmm. well done. Um, and so, yeah, they have the storm drain tunnels that they're going through. And uh, that's where the, the big climactic scenes are. And that's where they essentially find the last remaining or the, the last remaining queens, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. And they in, in the, nest, well, the, the, the princesses. It was the next the next round ah, of the queen right. ants. The next round. OK. Yeah. And, and then yeah. by killing them, it, it guaranteed that because, you know, as long as the I guess the way I understood it was that there might have still been some of the the regular ants, you know, moving around. Yeah. But as long as that they as long as they prevented the future reproduction mm -hmm. by taking care of the future queen ants yeah and there wouldn't be any more and the problem would be solved by using a flamethrower flame which is just <laughs> pure, it's crazy that, like that, that whole scene that whole sequence down in the tunnels is so severe like yeah. it is it's it is great. crazy warfare yeah really is and it's you know it's interesting because it's much like godzilla which is the film we just talked about before this this movie's played pretty straight you know yeah. for what's going on like it's it's mm -hmm. it's dealt with a, a sense of gravitas to it that's um that's actually kind of refreshing and, and yeah. maybe it's maybe it's because it's the first one of these movies and they just 
that's how they wanted to handle it. But yeah, it's just it's it's dealt with such a, a matter of fact way and such a you know kind of like by the book way. But it's it's um it's thrilling, you know. It's like yeah. really just a tightly paced uh, film and still holds up, I think. Yeah. Um, and you get to learn a lot about ants, like I said, which is yeah. always good. Well, um, and there there was a lot of with with that there was a lot of realism I felt too within the world. Like it's it's not necessarily that it's real how it would be handled in real life. But, but to that world, it didn't feel like there were any stretches. It felt like it kind of grew at a reasonable pace. You know, it didn't feel like, you know, there was one ant and then all of a sudden there were a million ants. Or it didn't right. feel like, you know, there should have been a million ants and there were only one or two. And it didn't feel it's like... It's with as realistically as it could be. Yeah, there, there wasn't all of a sudden an overreaction where they called in the mm-hmm. military. It's like the, these people tried to deal with it themselves, but then realized it was a bigger problem. Then martial law was declared. And, and it is kind of just this this slow build where it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it yeah. really does because of that slow build, you realize that like they're like they, they, these ants are going to multiply exponentially. Um, and if they don't like, like there's consequences, which is great, you know, because, yeah. because there are a lot of movies where it's kind of like, you know, if the monster wins, so what eventually people will be able to hide or something, you know, yeah. it, but, but with this, it's like, you know, no, like these things, we, we know how coming. fast they multiply. We know yeah. how strong they are. We know how adaptable they are. Like, if, mm-hmm. if this if problem isn't dealt with in Los Angeles, like, these things are going to take over the planet. Yeah, um, if you kill one, there's going to be, like, five more to take Five more, yeah. And, and we and we saw how hard it was to just take care of one. And it also raised the question, you know, it's like, I, I believe at one point someone said, well, you know, what kind of, we, we would need, like, uh, like, all kinds of bombs and craziness. And, and it kind of brings up, starts to bring up the question, at least in my mind, it's like the thing that caused these ants in the first place to mutate was the atomic bomb test. Mm-hmm. And you start to wonder what kind of weaponry would have to be developed to fight them. And ultimately, like, you know, is, is this human penchant for violence just going to <laughs> keep in, in the same way the ants keep multiplying mm-hmm. exponentially is the human ability to keep creating weapons that cause mass destruction but ultimately are going to cause more problems in the future is that also an exponentially growing thing which is is a pretty horrifying idea yeah well it's like in godzilla when they had to use the the hydrogen bomb Mm -hmm. or or, i'm sorry what was what was it called again it was was some kind of oxygen depleting oxygen (laughs) yeah very um yeah h2o or something um but there's a yeah the bomb that they didn't want to use because you know if they were going to use it only it was only to be used once and that Mm -hmm. was it um because you know these things are scary and people were just finding out about new ways to destroy cities and you know it's crazy so um so there's some of that here um and that's why i think it's also good they played it pretty straight and it seems like everyone is uh, understands the severity of the situation and they, they take it seriously and it's like yeah we just have to go get rid of this problem like we have to like you know we have to do what we have to do although um, i will say i did really like the, the only kind of real bit of comic relief in the movie was the scientist um yeah which i actually you know i mean some of the jokes didn't necessarily land but like i love that the character who's supposed to know the most is the one who is the least competent because he's it the, also yeah, he's like the geek. <laughs> he's he's like the geek, but like he's kind of yeah. goofy, and it adds yeah. this this kind of level of at least for me this this extra level of fear, where mm-hmm. when you start to realize that the person who knows what he's talking about isn't kind of not sane. That's not the word, but he's kind of a little flighty and all over the place. And yeah. then the people who are really serious and not flighty don't know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and it just leaves yeah. this really big open space for miscommunication and mistakes. 
mm-hmm. um, which which obviously just adds to the stakes because you know you you have these people who who don't know what they're dealing with and they don't speak the same language mm-hmm. and and they, yeah it, but they it, have to work together to find yeah yeah and it really yeah. does feel like there was room for someone to make some kind of catastrophic error that yeah. it, it kind of reminded me oddly enough a little bit of Jurassic Park um, mm-hmm. the way that there's like these different. Um, these different experts in different fields, like coming together mm-hmm. and trying to solve, you know, talk about issues and, and solve problems. And I kind of got a little bit of that. So I, yeah, I really like the interaction between the scientists and the, the more military people. And a lot of it was like how people probably viewed scientists at the time, just like, yep. nerd, you know, those <laughs> nerds, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I thought um, Edmund Gwen, who played the the older scientist, uh, Dr. Harold Medford, um, I thought he did a great job with it. Honestly, he's uh, he does bring a little bit of levity to it while also like just being a really good character. And um, he actually played the Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, the acting was pretty solid, too, all, mm-hmm. all around. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to mention the writer because we talked about like the you know, how terse the film is and kind of like how like, you know, it's kind of action oriented and um, beat after beat. And so the writer is, his name is George Worthing Yates. And uh, he's the one who, well, he's the one who developed the story. It was actually two other writers who wrote the film, but he uh, came up with the idea for the story. And he was a Hollywood veteran by this point. And he had written a lot of serials throughout the years, like The Lone Ranger and things like that. And you can sort of see that kind of tone at play here. Uh, It is you know, like very suspenseful at times, uh, like we talked about, primarily with that climactic sequence uh, in the drain tunnels um, uh, through the drainage system when they're crawling through and looking for the ant nests along with the queens. Um, but you can kind of get that feel. Like when I read that about him, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because it kind of has that old, even at that time, at like that older feel to it, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Um, and the director, Gordon Douglas, um, I was looking up him as well. He's, he's pretty prolific, actually. IMDb lists nearly 100 credits, wow. uh, in- including In Like Flint and mm-hmm. a, a remake of Stagecoach, which mm-hmm. I did not know even existed. Yeah, <laughs> interesting range, you know, yeah. pretty pretty yeah. interesting, you know. Nothing like too not- uh, like notable. Um, yeah. in-, in Like Flint has a pretty big following. I've never seen it. Um, uh, that that the, the, my the, my only association with In Like Flint is in one of the Austin Powers movies. <laughs> yeah, in Like Flint comes on TV and Austin says that it's his thinking. favorite movie. <laughs> so, the, the, but you know, this this guy, Gordon that's, Douglas, he directed Austin yeah. Powers' favorite movie, so. There you go. So that's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, yeah, he directed just like a ton of movies, um, like I said, around 100. Um, so I guess he was sort of a director for hire, but, you know, I think he did did a good job here. And I, I'd be curious to check out his other, his other work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, pretty much that's that's all I wanted to uh, really talk about. Um, you know, we had mentioned Godzilla a couple mm-hmm. times because we just came from that episode. Um, and, you know, I want to kind of like draw another through line and just kind of talk about those two movies together. We talked about how, even though Godzilla is seen as like a, a B movie, um, that it has a lot of important and kind of deep things to say. And it comes from a very like emotional and deep place as well. Um, and, uh, though this film, Them, is clearly much more of a straight B movie fair. Uh, do you think that there are like similar, you know, we talked about similar messages and things like that. Do you think there's a lot of like similar, you know, material to be found in this film as well? Yeah, I do. And, and, I, and I just think that obviously the big difference is that this is a film about the United States 
um, who are the ones who made the bomb and not the Mm -hmm. ones who um, suffered by it. Um, So I I think that they they discuss a lot of the same things. They're they're attacking a lot of the same subject matter, um, almost in a pretty directly the same way. You know, it's like there was a, a bomb test or a bomb and, uh, you know, in the other, in Godzilla, it seems more like the bomb awakened a creature. Um, mm-hmm. But in this one, you know, you could say that this is an awakening of a creature. It's a mutation, but it kind of was, in both cases, the bomb was the impetus for some uh, natural animalistic horror coming to the surface that was like attacking human horror. beings, right. not out of any kind of intellectual reason, but just kind of because mm-hmm. they did. Um and it was, and both films were about how to deal with it, and mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of through lines. But I think the difference is that Godzilla felt to me much more like a, a kind of a parable, a, a more of a warning. Mm-hmm. This one felt like a warning, but it also felt like it was supposed to be cool. It felt like it was supposed to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Godzilla, I didn't really get the sense that the filmmakers were as concerned with entertainment. As they were with, you know, we talked, if, if you listen to that episode, um, but if not, you know, I'll recap. There's, there's one scene in Godzilla where there's like a mother and her children and the mother is kind of cowering and about that one, yeah. talking about how they're going to go join their father soon. And there's this real sense of like despair, you know, the real tragedy. Whereas with this one, it's kind of more about the thrill of the, the possibilities, the, the thrill of the excitement, even if it's a horrifying excitement, it's not quite as tangible to the American filmmakers, I think, what it actually means, the, the, the kind of destruction and, and yeah. what, what that means. Whereas to the you know, Japanese filmmakers making Godzilla, it, it hit a lot closer to home and, and you could really feel a mm-hmm. uh, somber tone. Whereas in this one, it, it felt like it was about 50-50 entertainment yeah. to... Well, yeah, I guess you could... Well, Godzilla is a much more somber movie yeah. that we talked about. And you can also look at it... Like it makes sense because they were, you know, the victims at a time mm-hmm. when th- these things were going on, and America was. Uh, I see them as more like anxiety, like oh, this could happen, yeah. you know, like we gotta do something if it does, like we all gotta band together and and take care of it. But with Godzilla, it was more like this happened, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it could happen again. Um, and I think in that way, the movies are pretty different, but you can definitely draw a lot of similarities as well, uh, which I think is why they work well together in the series. Um, and the other movies we're going to talk about, uh, even though they might not seem like they make sense in the series, I think they all like, they all have their certain me- even <laughs> they're going to get pretty silly, but <laughs> mm-hmm. they all have like an underlying message to them, uh, whether or not that comes across, you know, as well as they wanted it to or not. But, um, but yeah, these movies, they're entertaining, but also thought provoking and does make you think about certain things. And um, that's, what's interesting about them. And I think that's why they've stuck around and resonated for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one thing I want to mention because you, you had talked about the studio. It was, it was universal. You said, right? Warner um, brothers, Warner brothers for this. I'm one. sorry. War- yeah. So Warner brothers, uh, the studio behind them. Um, so they got cold feet like last minute with this film, which is pretty interesting because we talked about this was the the first of the big the big bug movies, uh, this type of film I guess, and uh, you know this film was originally to have been filmed in color, and two days before shooting began, the studio got nervous and they cut the budget, so the film 
became black and white, which is now how we know it. Uh, but however, in the opening credits, you do see that the main title is shown in like a bright red uh, <laughs> against the, the black and white background. So it's kind of cool because it's a little jarring. And I, I I had completely forgotten about that until I watched it again. And yeah. uh, But it's kind of cool. Like in a way, it's like it's like one uh, remnants of like this original idea to mm-hmm. be in color. And it's kind of effective in, in its own way. But I, this is to me is like perfect as a black and white sci-fi yeah. 50s movie you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of like the quintessential yeah. uh one that you think of so I, for me it's it's appropriate that it's, it's got, black it's got everything movie. you want and, and anything exactly. you could possibly want in one of these movies this movie has it, it. really does it really does and it, it did become sort of the prototype for these kinds of movies mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about as well um, not only the big bug features but also just nuclear monster films and uh you know radiated creatures and things like that uh radiated humans which we'll get into next time actually mm-hmm. <laughs> um but did you have any uh i guess closing remarks or anything else you wanted to talk about with them um yeah there, so there, there was one really kind of brief scene that that stuck with me that i i didn't even remember from my previous time watching it that, that i thought was really interesting and it was that they were at some type of like i don't know if it was an insane asylum or a hospital or something like that, but they were talking to an old man who was clearly supposed to be um, presented as crazy, and um, he was he kept talking about the flying ants, and and he and they, and they understood what he was saying because it was real, but everyone else was looking at him as crazy, and I think you know the nineteen fifties and the late forties uh, were the time in American history when we're kind of uh, are kind of synonymous with like UFO sightings and the mystery of the desert and all of that. Um, and, and I just think it's really interesting just thinking about from a, a public perspective, you know, watching a movie like this and seeing that the crazy guy was right. Um, I, I don't know, that that just stuck out to me. It's just really interesting yeah. because it was a time when, you know, we, it was kind of the, the border between, you know, now it seems like in our current climate, which is 2020 as we record this, um, it seems like the bigger mysteries the and end questions. Times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. These apocalyptic movies are yeah. getting a little too. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah. So, so also just to note, we, Mark and I were debating whether to bring this up um, I guess before we before we jumped on, but but it seems worth noting. This, this movie also felt a little bit um, a little bit on, on the button right now as we re- we record this. We're we're both kind of in the midst of uh, coronavirus isolation. Um, both both doing well and feeling healthy, but trying to you know, serve our civic duty by not going out and yeah. risking it or spreading it to anyone else. Um, but, but, it, but it was interesting for uh, both of us we were talking about before we recorded, just seeing how, you know, um, how something, how, how, how human beings, um, particularly America of that time, how they were expected to deal with, you know, crisis and, you know, how it's changed, how it hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, so just, just an interesting, you know, footnote, yeah. I guess. Well, it's in the back of all our minds right yep. now as, as we do anything. So mm-hmm. obviously watching these, especially these kinds of films, yep. um, you know, there's something, no matter how silly it is, it's like, you know, okay, giant ants, but, yep. you know, maybe it's not that silly. Like, yep. You know what I mean? It's like you, you kind of draw these like weird conclusions about things now. But um, yeah, an enemy uh, that we can't understand who all of a sudden yeah. has to become yeah. the main focus of everything is, you know, it, th- right. this movie might have felt something different you, to have yeah, watched a few months for granted, ago. Right something you took for granted before or just didn't even think about, you know? And so it's like all of a sudden it's become your life. It's like, <laughs> it's like all you think about now um, yeah. and it's, it's changed everything. So yeah, it, it kind of, 
it's it's sort of similar. It's weird. <laughs> These are weird times, Jeremy. Very weird. Um, and weird movies. Hopefully, but, no movies. giant ants show up though. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. But I would, you know, the way this year has been going so far, who yeah. knows? Giant ants by the end of the year. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe we'll save that for August or yeah. September. Maybe not tarantula, but we'll, maybe we'll get the ants. Maybe um, ants, yeah. But uh, actually, you did remind me of something else when you when you brought up that scene you were talking about, Jeremy. Um, this one scene I wanted to talk about real quickly, real real quick, um, because it's like it kind of made me like take a moment because it's a scene we talked about the the young girl in the the beginning of the film who's kind of wandering around, and uh, there's a scene a little bit later on where she really is catatonic and just sitting there in a chair as they're like talking to her and trying to get something out of her about what she saw. Mm -hmm. And she suddenly comes to like out of nowhere and she just starts screaming them, them. And uh, you know, that just kind of gave me chills. Like I completely, I didn't even remember that scene at all. But like when it happened, I was like, Holy shit. Like I I didn't even remember. They said the title of the film. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's important Um, to note that that, that utterance of the title is the actual title. Any other time they say them, it's not the title because the title is them with an exclamation point. Yeah. It's not just them. It's them. So her screaming them, that Mm -hmm. is the title of the movie. Yeah. Just over and over screaming Mm -hmm. them. It just, it was something about it. Just like gave me the chills. I was like, Oh yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, this movie is really cool and it is a fun, entertaining, a little bit thought provoking. You learned about ants a little bit. (laughs) Very stylish. Very stylish, yeah. Very, very, like, very fun to really, watch. Really, really well, well made, well done action. Mm-hmm. You get flamethrowers, machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> you get some on-screen death, I believe, uh, with the ants chomping on people, or with yeah, kind of some uh, some on-screen uh, treachery. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know about yeah, that. But. for the for the time, it, I'm sure it was pretty. Uh, you yeah, know. yeah. So, me as a fourth grader, really appreciated this movie, and I still do. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's gonna do it for us today with them. Uh, This has been Cult Movie Cult. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.